Hey, just before we get into today's episode, this is part two of our discussion of Mero corporations adults. are not your friend. So yeah, be sure to listen to part one if you haven't already. And it's a good time. if you want to start at part two, hey, it's up to you, baby. You do, you do what you got to do. Both parts are equally entertaining, but together they are even more. Yes. So. Again, this is part two. So if you want to hear the first part of our discussion, go back and listen to that and then come back here. Don't listen to anything else. Don't do anything else. Come back here. <laughs> so let's move on to uh, corporate sponsorships. This is something that uh, I want to get involved here in the discussion is the idea of corporate <laughs> sponsorship. So you'll notice that a lot of the times certain events, certain popular events are sponsored by corporations. Not only that, like so much of the media we consume is sponsored, like pro- course, in, pl- yeah. in, in product placement in podcasts, right? Yeah, we're not we're not big enough yet, but we could have been we sponsored be. by if, something. If this podcast ever gets popular, it's possible you could hear an ad for Audible or Nordstream or yeah. uh, I don't know all all those fucking VPNs or uh, what, what's the what's the food one? My, my top three: uh, NordVPN. Raycon earbuds. Oh, yeah, Raycon. <laughs> Raycon ear- earbuds. Oh, my God. HelloFresh. That's it. That's it. HelloFresh. Yeah. Or Blue Apron. I don't even know if these fucking things exist anymore. Hard to tell. Yeah. So you have sponsorship. Yeah, you're right. There are absolutely like everywhere uh, the origins of television and radio, right? A lot of programs were brought to you by whoever the corporate sponsor was. When people absolutely. get protested on, on television, usually hey write to their advertisers well it doesn't have to be television it could be any medium it could be yeah. someone's youtube channel when someone's upset they say hey write to the advertisers and say this mm-hmm. person does xyz that i don't like so you shouldn't sponsor them everything's run everything is run basically to sell you something so you have to always keep that in mind that's Actually, why we're talking about this because it's yeah. everywhere we have a video from vox which i will leave in the, the show notes that talks about a Russian company called Gazprom, I believe it's its name, and they're a natural gas company that does not sell directly to consumers yet. They sponsor a bunch of consumer level events, such as a couple European soccer teams. So uh, in soccer, if you're not familiar, they have their sponsorships right on their jersey. It's generally center place on the jersey right across their chest. Another popular one is Fly Emirates and like Qatar or Qatar Airlines, yeah. right? And you think, like, okay, why do they have? these things why do they why do we have gas problems because it's not a product that me or you could buy but it's to influence public perception of the company like we're saying and this is also what the video argues is that they do these things they sponsor you know soccer development they save these local teams because people do invest in local sports teams even though they are also businesses and not cultural institutions but that's another topic for another day they do these things again to control their public perception so they're seen as good because you see them on the jerseys but they sponsor like the fifa world cup they sponsor uefa cup uh, uh, maybe they sponsor the champions league i forget all the different sponsorships that, that that they've done and that they do but you see the logos so like they show clips in the vox video of uh, when you watch a soccer match they have all around the pitch they have those digital advertisement boards and they change hmm. every so often to the different sponsors all the different company sponsors, corporate sponsors. And they have that so you recognize that logo and you think, oh, they're good because they helped my my community, right? They wanted to 
take their gas line and have a pipeline go into Germany, right? So how do we get influence the German public a bit? They they sponsored yeah, one of the teams. local teams. Obviously, it wasn't like a na- the national team because on the national uh, soccer games, you're not allowed to have sponsorships on the jerseys themselves, although the events are sponsored. But you get a couple of areas, they're local teams. So you get it on the low level, right? Grassroots level. And then people change their perception because hey, they help oh, they God. they help these teams that were financially struggling, and they pumped money into them, and they help them get better facilities, have better uniforms, sign better players, and then you that is care so nefarious, God. yeah. And then you care as a fan of that team, and you're like, wow, okay, they did that. So I'm not going to think about all the other issues that come with natural gas and pipelines and like spills and all that shit. I just know that. Or even like the money that they get from having countries use their their gas lines and taking in the the their their energy that they that they sell. I just care that uh, my soccer team is saved, yeah. and and they're like decent now. Yes. Are you oh, just no, stretching? I'm oh, okay. I'm just stretching. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't see this, but Alex had his arm up, and I thought he said he wanted to say something. Can you just imagine? He's just stretching. I was like, it's not. Oh, I would just, I would just interrupt you, you like can, I've always done. <laughs> you can just do that. Right. Another thing I want to bring up here in Canada, we have Bell Canada. So this is along the same lines as oh the gas Are you going to talk about Bell Let's Talk? We're talking about Let's Talk. <gasps> Bell Let's oh, Talk. Oh, yes. So, majority of my listeners are from the US and international. I do have a sizable Canadian audience, but. A lot from overseas. So Bell Canada is a, I don't know, large conglomerate. They, they do different things. Primarily, initially, it was our telephone system. So if you remember home phones, yeah, they're, phone they're lines. They're a telephone, internet, um, other They're a telecommunications provider. company, but they yeah. are involved in many other things. They have a media division. So a lot of, at least Canadian programming, is produced by Bell. It's called Bell Media. Mm-hmm. They do advertising. They own a bunch of radio stations, TV stations, TV networks. Uh, they sell cellular service, home internet service, home phone service. Isn't it, isn't it named after Alexander Graham Bell? Or is yes. that a misconception? Oh. No, no, it is. It, I think it was initially... It was tied to the American, I think, Bell system uh, or Bell Corporation which is now like AT, uh, Bell's history, like in the US, AT&T is very long and complicated. But I think initially it was part of that. It was the Canadian division. And then eventually they had to divest. And the reason why it's called Bell, because the, the company AT&T is like American Telephone and Telegraph, but they called their telephone network the Bell system. Oh. <laughs> right? Because, you know, Alexander Graham Bell. And then they had their Canadian division... I mean, I could be a little bit wrong on this, but they had the Canadian division. Eventually they had to sell it and it became like Bell, Bell Canada. I think it's full name is Bell Canada Enterprises, BCE. That's the actual like corporation, the, the, the top level corporation. But they do a whole bunch of different stuff, right? So they're yeah. like huge, huge player. They own the Toronto Raptors, the Maple Leafs, along with Rogers, uh, the Toronto sports team. So the T- TFC, Toronto Argonauts. Raptors. Yeah. So they, they're the corporate owners for like those sports teams. And I think they own the, uh, well, Bell Center is named after them where the Canadians play their sponsor, I think for the Montreal impact. No, the Vancouver Whitecaps. They're everywhere. Basically. 
with these like corporate sponsorships, Bell Media or sorry, Bell Canada, every February, I think it is, or January, February around there, they have Bell Let's Talk Day. So they have the hashtag Bell Let's Talk and it's to raise awareness for mental health. Now you may think on its surface, why is that bad? Why is that bad? Uh, on its surface, it's not. If you want to create awareness for something like mental health issues, which I do think need to be talked about, obviously, so people don't oh, feel stigmatized. 100%. Right? Yeah. Like, that is fine. But the issue is here, Bell's not doing it because they want to be a good corporate no, no, citizen. No. no, no, no. It's to control their narrative. So... You can look at them and say, hey, they're not so bad. They want to do good in the world. They're not concerned just with profits. Absolutely. But they are, though, because any money that because I think the thing is, like, every time you tweet or retweet with that hashtag, Bell Let's Talk, they donate five cents to some mental health fun thing research i'm not exactly sure where the money goes but that's the idea and if you're wondering well why don't you because it's not important to like for our purposes here because i'm not talking about how they spend the money or whatever or where it goes specifically it's more the the what they want to create from it the positivity in terms of their image they want to create and use to manipulate how they're perceived by the public that's more where our interests lie here and it and annoys me any kind of like social corporate act in this manner always annoys me because i'm like you can just donate the money yeah the awareness part is fine if you want to raise awareness i don't have an issue with companies or rich individuals or whoever and this ties in with philanthropy which will be another episode for another day that's fine again if you want to donate money to a cause i don't have any issues with that the issue that i have is again you can do it without you can still do the awareness part but you can always donate you don't even have to make a big deal out of it they're they're essentially benefiting from free advertising at the same time as they're like touting this idea that oh we should support like mental health which again is an incredibly good thing as someone who like suffers from anxiety my roommate who's like dealt with severe depression like it's oh it's never a bad thing to talk about this i think the i agree that this i think it's completely insidious like them like profiting off of people's mental health issues like that even if they're trying to like even if they do donate like start part of their proceeds to it again yeah you're absolutely right they could just they could just donate if they actually felt that way about it it's the marketing scheme of it it feels like a ponzi scheme bell i believe in the last quarter made close to half a billion dollars Something along those lines. So they make ridiculous sure. amounts of money. They're not strapped for cash, regardless of how they present themselves. They make money. That is not in dispute. So they can donate whatever it is they want to donate to whatever causes they feel uh, they want to donate to. That is totally fine. They can do that without all this mm-hmm. uh, you know, marketing buzz around it. Yeah, uh, just to like solidify the information on it, looking yes. at it real quick. So Bell's Initiative is primarily through the use of a hashtag. It's technically, just by the way, this is ridiculous. It's called hashtag activism is the term for this kind of quote unquote activism. Yes. Which is, so for every interaction, quote unquote, uh, on Bell Let's Day, which is like the use of of the hashtag, uh, Bell donates five cents towards Canadian mental health, which is then divided among various community projects and major institutions across Canada. So this is through... Uh, so every interaction is like either Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat, uh, talk or text, actually. 
Okay. Uh, so even if you, even if you text uh, every text oh, that's message right. yeah. over yeah. the uh, every text message over Bell, every call made over uh, the Bell network gives this, which is uh, you know considering their vast amount, their vast reach throughout uh, throughout Canada is a pretty huge amount, right? For sure. It's at least for me, it's like the corporatization of mental health that kind of like rubs me the wrong way. Yes. You know, and like at the same time, you're a giant corporation. Um, like how I, I and there's already been controversy about this before, but it's like, how are you dealing with your own employees mental health? That's what know? I was going to get to for sure, because mm. you yeah, do but- have the, the, the couple points uh, I was going to bring up and then you can add whatever it is you want to add or comment or respond to is uh, one. OK, the employees before I get to the employees two the consumers of your product. Right. How many people would probably benefit? You mentioned anxiety would have their anxiety reduced by having less bills to pay, like cell phone coverage here in Canada. If you don't know some of the highest prices in the world that we pay, it's it's stupid expensive. Yeah. And every time I upgrade my fucking phone or plan or whatever fucking shit, it always gets more expensive. My the price that I pay for my phone monthly has never gone down. It's always gone up. So if you want to help my mental health, hey. Why can't I get cheaper phone service? Why can't I get, because I also have Bell Internet. Why can't I get cheaper internet? That would help me quite a bit. I would be less stressed out on the bills that I have to pay because I could pay less because Bell makes tons of money. Now, even if they reduced it by half and instead of making, uh, you know, a, a half a billion dollars in, and this is, I think, just their last quarter, not even the whole year, they could make, you know, a quarter of a billion dollars. And that's still mm-hmm. quite a decent amount of money. So I, you know, that, that definitely would help. Now, on the uh, employee side, there have been several things, not just uh, Bell, but a lot of corporations, especially like banks and stuff, for, for their workers, for their salespeople and the call centers. Do you know how much stress people are under to <sighs> sell their product? Because every single company is always trying to upsell you. Yeah. Now, they're not going to say that outright. They'll, they'll, I don't know, term it something else. Like I know in the banking uh, industries, they call it um, your financial like solutions. That's what they call it. Solutions for Mm. you that are supposed to help you. But they're not solutions. They're just trying to get you to pay for more services. And so Bell's the same way. Uh, And so in their retail stores and in their like call centers, they're trying to upsell you. You got to make sales. So people uh, get into the need to. Uh, give people services even if they didn't ask for them because they're so pressured for sales because you've got to perform. Otherwise, you're going to lose your job. And then if you lose your job, how are you going to support your family? How are you going to feed your kids? Mm-hmm. How are you going to pay for your mortgage and your car? And like, how are you going to have your leisure and do all this stuff? And it all ties together. Yeah. And so what about those people? What about their their mental health, all the stress that they go through? It's true. Like, I don't know personally the kinds of services that Bell as a company offers um, their employees in terms of you know, mental health support, uh, but very few and far between are, are big corporations like that av- available to let that kind of thing as a general benefit to your employees. Right. Yeah. Like, um, I have two things to say to that. Uh, I, like I used to work for Oliver and Bonaccini, which is this restaurant, uh, restoration company, uh, or conglomerate in Canada. And they, I think they have one or two places in the U.S. I'm not sure. Tweet, tweet at us in the comments. If <laughs> you're <laughs> um, from O&B. And like to get uh, there, they did have a mental health assistance thing as part of their like employee benefits program. But to get on that was like a, such a convoluted 
stupid process that wasn't like available for you out the gate, uh, which I get like, you're not going to offer that to like someone who's only worked for you for like a month. Right. But it's at the same point, at the same time, like that sh- if you're if you're touting something like mental health stigma and mental health awareness, this should be something that's made readily available to you. Uh, and speaking on the point of like call centers and stuff, I don't know about you, Pat. I think I remember you saying that you worked in a call center. I did. I, I did. This will yeah. be a future episode too. Or at, at a bank. I worked at one of Canada's uh, major banks. And we'll yeah, have an episode I, about that working in exactly. Call yeah. I worked for I worked for the Royal Bank of Canada as a as a collections agent, not Ooh, only not even tough. like as a yeah, right? Yeah. And uh all things aside, I mean I did that when I was like 18, which was dumb of me. But like that stuff is that's just ridiculous. Like you have to deal with people like people are so ungodly rude to you over the phone and oh, can like sure, break, yeah. you, break you down just for like trying to do your thing right but like you said like there's no real recourse for that outside of your daily life right because you can't just be like well i don't like this i'm getting demeaned at my job all the time by strangers and you know my boss thinks i'm just one in a million i'm just gonna give my job up you can't do that in a in a normal kind of in, in not not in this economy <laughs> or in any you know well no because you if you're someone who uh you know generally work in a call center uh you could be someone you know who's 18 when i did work at the bank in a call center one of the guys that i started with he was someone who was 18 just out of did he even finish sage i can't remember but you know yeah yeah and this is one of the jobs that you can get that's pretty decent paying Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, without... it's good money for not a lot of education exactly. or experience. So I could see why people want to, but at the same time, like not even dealing with uh, the pressures of of people being mean to you. Because I did experience that for the most part. I will say that most people were fine, but you did have your assholes uh, mm. every now and then. And the worst were just people who like just didn't know what the fuck they were doing and just took forever. <laughs> oh my fucking god. I will say that oh, the worst is when people try to find out, call to find out why they made a payment. Because I worked in the credit card division. so Oh, I see. Yeah. They would always ask, why did I pay this amount to my credit card? And I'm like, hmm. uh, I don't know. Why didn't you note that down? Maybe if you looked at your statements. Statements are like wrote <laughs> down when you make a payment, like why you're paying this. Because I always want to know, why did I pay this amount? And I'm like, you tell me, dude. And I got to come up with an answer. That's the thing. So you have the pressures so of, of, of the yeah. dealing with potentially abusive customers. But then on the other side, you have to maintain your sales. Now, they don't, again, yeah. they didn't call it sales, but you have to have your ratios. Absolutely. For your solutions. And you had to be performing at a certain level to keep your job. So that puts pressure on you. And like I said, people come down to the fact that they, sometimes they will sign people up. For things now, I know at the bank that I worked at, in the branch, it was more pressure for you to sell. They didn't have as much leeway as you did in the call center. So mm-hmm. a lot of the time, people would get signed up for credit cards. Just as an example, they get signed up for credit cards, and you'd have something called like credit insurance or credit protection. And so most of the time, the people the that worked at the at the at the branch, they have like I said, much harder numbers that they have to match or reach each month or whatever the cycle is. So they'll sign them up for a credit card and they won't necessarily tell them that, oh, this credit protection that we're giving you, uh, they'll, 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 sometimes they won't even notice or they won't get the consent because you're technically supposed to get consent 
Sometimes yeah. we'll just put it on for them or sometimes we'll just say, oh, it's free, but maybe it's just free for the first year or maybe it's free for six months. They don't necessarily say that after a while it's going to cost you because I would get many calls on my end as someone working in the call center being like, what is this credit protection thing? And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's supposed to help you, you know, if you miss a payment because you've lost your job, it's an insurance that you can file a claim, which most of the time doesn't even work. Yeah, it's just a cash matter. grab. Play, it totally quite is. Quite simply. Yeah, and, if you and, sign up for Balance Protector, uh, yeah, Balance Protector, you're, you're, called, yeah. you're dumb as fuck. You know, and Sorry. it's just kind of like, <laughs> but so, that's the thing. Some people don't know that they're signed up for it. Yeah, because sometimes yeah. they don't tell you. They just do it because oh, that's a sale. That counts as a sale. I got you another service. Uh, yeah. a, a quick example uh, is in the U.S. I don't know if you know about this. A couple of years ago, Bank Wells Fargo. A huge, huge scandal. You can search this up to anyone who's listening if you want to know more information. But very quickly, the people who worked in the branches for Wells Fargo, they always had to be opening up new accounts for people. So the people that worked there, they would try, you know, they would get everyone that they knew and open accounts. Okay, good. But under capitalistic system, you always have to be growing. You always have to be expanding. Yeah. So they would come back, the managers, bosses, whoever would come back and say, okay, we need you to open more accounts. And it's like, okay, but like all my regular clients, like I've done this, like I can't, how many times can I open up an account for a person? So eventually they just started opening up secret accounts for people without their knowledge, without their consent. Are you so, serious? Yeah, yeah. This is a big Whoa. thing that happened a couple of years ago. Wells Fargo Bank, they did that. And this stri- there's a documentary, I don't remember the name because I just thought of it right now, that kind of looked at some of the people that had to deal with this. Several people that mm-hmm. worked in the branch at Wells Fargo. And the stress and that that was put on them, not only from having to deceive people, but having to keep doing it day in and day in and day in. Damn, yeah. And it's just like, what about those things? And now tying it back to, to, to the Bell Let's Talk, just as an example, what about those pressures created from work in an environment that you can't really control? Absolutely. Being told to sell to people. It's hard, man. Like, I didn't work very long at the call center because I'm like, I don't like selling people shit that they don't really need. I'm not yeah. like this ruthless, I just need to get my money kind of thing. That's you just not, morals. that's yeah, not me. Nice. <laughs> like, if you want, it's like, like one of the things that you could do to get like a sale is increase people's credit limit, which is good because it counted to two sales. So you could do that. And that's great. So they would want you to suggest that to people sometimes to say like, you know, this is the reason why it's good for your credit or if you're traveling, especially, or if it's time for the holidays, they would say, you know, suggest increasing your credit limit. Right. Credit cards are the devil. Oh my God. So, but during the time that I worked there, I was very fortunate because I just got a string of people generally speaking. uh, So this helped my numbers, even though I was relatively new People would call in and say, hey, can I uh, increase my credit limit? Or sometimes the bank sends them offers pre-approved so you don't have to do a credit check or anything like that. And I would just get people calling in being like, yeah, I got an offer to increase my limit. So I'd like to do that. So sometimes it just comes to you. So if someone calls in and they want to, I don't mind. Okay, fine. I'll do it for you if you want. But when I had to like tell people who didn't really seem interested, who just called in to Oh, why is my card not working? Oh, because, Mm -hmm. you know, this thing happened. So it's nothing on your end. It's just the machine wasn't working properly or something like that. Oh, and by the way, do you want to increase your limit? Like, it's just, you didn't call for that. You you know, it's just, I didn't like doing it. It's sleazy. It's it's slimy, honestly. So I think uh, we talked about uh, that point there to death a little bit. Not that that's a bad (laughs) thing. That's good. I'm glad. But moving away. 
Now let's talk. Moving eh? on to still within, within the idea of corporate sponsorships. And the other thing I guess I'll tie into it as well is this idea of socially conscious purchasing. Just before we get to the purchasing part there, back to the, the sponsorships. If you've noticed during Pride Month, which I think is around May or June of every year for like a lot of cities, at least in North America, which is fine. Pride, hey, awesome, cool. You know, it's good uh, you know, to get out and celebrate your gayness or Be gay, your, do crimes. your lesbianness or your questioning or your transness. All, all wonderful, fine things. I don't mind people going out and, you know, celebrating that fact. But if you'll notice, companies also like to celebrate this fact. Usually mm. you'll see it. They change the logo to rainbow representation during that month. It's Pride Month, so let's all change our logo. And when we talked about banks, banks like to goddamn, do this especially. Yeah, a goddamn dime for every bank that changes logo to a rainbow flag they, in June. Yeah, they all change the logos. And now, not just banks, but like every major corporation generally. If you looked on LinkedIn, which I fucking hate, but if you look on LinkedIn, all the companies, pro- probably on Twitter too, they change all their, their stuff to logo uh rainbow rainbow themed it's a thing if you haven't noticed it and if you go to pride parades you'll see corporations partaking to say yes we stand up for 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 gays and gay rights and and these you know different issues affecting the gay community i know i'm saying gay but it's everything under lgbtq however the the lgbtq queer community yeah yeah so i'm just gonna say just gay because it incorporates all that just just for simplicity's sake here. Now, is it bad that corporations want to take part? Like banks, for example, March? Not in and of itself, but again... Not inherently, no. What's the issue? Part of it is how many people do we see at high levels of these corporations, whether they're executives or CEOs mm-hmm. or people on their uh, board of governors who are gay? Now, maybe yeah. there are some who aren't out. Now, if you don't want to be out, that's completely fine. But then you got to think, why don't you want to be out? Maybe there's an issue there. Is there a pervasive culture within your company that Could stops be. you from wanting to be, you know, open about your sexuality? The only <laughs> the only high profile executive that I can think of off the top of my head in terms of like how accepted it is, how prevalent it is. This is there's only one off the top of my head without having to like look at it. So it's not really prevalent in our society is Tim Cook, who is the CEO of Apple. Always with the Apple examples, but he's the only one who's like gay. Huh, I didn't know that. That I can think of off the top of my head that I know. Yeah. So it's not very common. So where are all these people being promoted? Yeah. Right. It's the same thing when the, the, when corporations uh, piggyback on like Black Lives Matter stuff mm-hmm. that we saw this summer from the, the from the protests that yeah. erupted. Um, I mean, they've been this is not the first time these protests have erupted, but w- renewed. Uh, from the murder of of George Floyd, how many companies raced out to say yes, Black lives are important to us. We care about Black creators or our Black employees and all this stuff. But how many of you guys have like Black executives and and Black CEOs? Not to say that these companies don't exist in terms of like Black owned companies or Black owned corporations. Even, yeah, just not in, even, not, in all these mainstream companies, how many mm-hmm. of them have Black executives? Mm, not even that, but like how are like, how are you representing your uh, your employees who are people of color? How are you, like, yeah. making sure that they're treated fairly within your... What are your laws against discrimination within your company kind of thing, right? Or how are people being paid? Yeah, yeah. Right? It, it feels like a heartless gesture if you're just putting on a mask for a certain 
event or certain like time, right? And you have to back those up with concrete actions if you want that gesture to be meaningful, right? Well, no, I agree with you. And the thing that we have not seen is high profile, like I said, a corporate executives. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't see it. Like they have employees, I'm sure, but we don't really see. Not that none exists, so I, just, so I don't want someone coming to me and saying, oh, well, he, this company has a black CEO. Like, that's not the point. The point is, yeah, like, how point, prevalent yes. is it? How often do we see this kind of upward movement? Exactly. It's like, how are you reflecting this? As, like, as a corporation, how are you reflecting this choice to embody a certain kind of movement or a certain kind of identity-based issue, right, within your own politics internally? Right. When it comes down to uh, that, that's that's the end of the day. It doesn't matter like how many I think obviously the mobility of people of color is very important. Right. But like even Mm -hmm. just having like a hiring practice that like promotes uh, or that uh, prioritizes uh, BIPOC people is already a step in the right direction. And like I feel like obviously corporations are very quick to kind of pick up on trend on quote unquote trends like this. Well, yeah, it's not just a trend when it deals with somebody's safety and like or the safety and, and well-being of an entire group. Yeah, because they want the recognition for saying, yeah. hey, we support. But it's like, okay, once we look past that initial statement in response mm-hmm. to ongoing events that are happening out in the world, uh, where is that actual support? Yeah. That's always my question is like, where is the actual support? Are you actually doing the thing that you're saying you're doing or are you just yeah. saying something nice because it's nice to say? Absolutely. Like, for example... Yeah. Uh, I think it's Quaker that owns uh, Aunt Jemima, right? For which is based on like old slave stereotypes of like the mammy and all this yeah. stuff. And it's been sanitized over the years from like the original logo, which was definitely like the fat. Well, I don't mean to sound fat phobic or anything like that, but definitely larger black mammy type character, which is like a she black. Was, she was thick. Yeah, she was bigger. Nothing just wrong like, with that just, in and of just itself. Like the syrup that she wrote, <laughs> that she promoted, like the pancakes and the syrup, <laughs> you know. Uh, so it was it definitely uh, laid heavy into those stereotypes, right? Of the large mm-hmm. black uh, nanny. That's basically what a mammy is, if you're not familiar with it. Who was uh, happy, happy to serve her white family, and then once slavery was over, happy to work as a as a servant. Right now, I'm not a slave, but a servant, happy to serve her her white family, take care of the kids, all that kind of stuff. Happy to make you pancakes and serve you nice uh, syrup. Well, it's not maple syrup, but table syrup. What? Right. And then over the years, uh, you know, it got sanitized to the current logo or well, now they're going to get rid of it. But the current logo where she just seemed like a nice, uh, maybe a bit middle aged elderly black lady. But the response to that was, OK, we're going to get rid of the logo. And it's like, oh. Okay, that's fine, but how are you treating your employees, right? Mm-hmm. How much are you paying them? Are you giving them benefits? Yeah. How many of them can move into like larger roles? And and, and like again, at Quaker, how many people are executives there? Yeah. Uh, not just people. How many like blacks or, or people who are a visible minority? What mm-hmm. what are those numbers? It's mm-hmm. fine if you want to change the logo. Okay, cool, but it's not what most people were having an issue with. So when you come out, you say you support Black Lives, and then you're your your response is aside from saying we support like black lives and black people and all that stuff is just well we're gonna get rid of this kind of racist at least an origin like, logo sure. good for you that's uh, yeah that's not what most people were concerned about there wasn't protests no. 
or people weren't complaining about, well, we don't like this logo. It's like <laughs> how you treat us. The streets to say how was not their vibe. <laughs> You know, so this uh, moves into unless you had something else to respond to that. No, oh no, I actually I was gonna I wasn't gonna say I don't have any uh corporate corporation um like facts to back up uh, or like I, examples of corporations having empty um gestures towards like Black Lives Matter uh, Black Lives Matter and and the LGBTQ community. But I was gonna say the one that springs to mind the most for me mm-hmm. um is recently in Montreal, part of St. Catherine Street over the course of the summer. Uh, was painted with the Black Lives Matter. Uh, oh, did they do that here? It, they did. They did. Okay. Part of St. Catherine, which is a bigger thoroughfare here in Montreal, uh, had Black Lives Matter written in the like painted onto the pavement in big, big white yellow letters or whatever. And like I think a month ago or something, it came out that they power washed it all away because apparently it was a distraction for drivers. Oh, okay. So there you go. Like. Okay. So again, <laughs> oh, okay. But even going on that there, so you see here, okay, City Montreal had Black Lives Matter written on on St. Catherine. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. They get rid of it. Okay. Fine. I don't expect these things written on on the streets to stay there forever. But the more important issue is, okay, was that thing um, done by the city to put up initially by the city? It was initially put up by the city. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't like it wasn't like a, a grassroots thing. Okay. Yeah, so. the city themselves like made paid money to do that, and then the city themselves was like, mm, "I think the prioritization of us potentially having no more uh, less accidents, even though you know crosswalks exist, um, yeah, is whole, better than is better than showing off uh, that we care about black lives." Again, mm. okay. So again, this 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 is good because this highlights kind of like the problem that we're discussing here is yeah. through this thin veneer of like, okay, we're going to write or the facade or whatever, whatever terminology you want to use. We're going to write black lives matter on our street. It's going to look nice, very picturesque. I remember and now that you, you mentioned it's coming back you remember seeing like the overhead, like yeah. birds, have you shots of it? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. We support black lives here in Montreal, city of Montreal. Great. What happened last weekend or a couple weekends ago, right? That dude, I forget his name right now. I apologize. I don't have his name offhand because this is not, we don't script this very tightly in case you couldn't realize. Is this the, oh God, what are you talking about? It's the guy that was shot in NDG by the police. Yes. Yes. I don't know his name offhand and I apologize. I I don't have his name because like I said, we didn't, we don't pre-plan. I mean, we discussed a little bit beforehand, but we don't plan out every single little detail he was shot by the police uh he was having an episode and and i don't know who exactly called the police for help uh and this is what happened ends up dead yeah and this is a city that was like hey black lives matter again it's fine to say black lives matter are painted on the street even if you take it off later even though that is kind of funny but even even then it's like if if you're as yeah as you're as a city invested in if you want to say that you're invested in that like one of the hardest hit communities in Montreal is Montreal North, yes. uh, which is a borough that is mostly populated by uh, people of color and like immigrants uh, from like Haiti. Uh, Quebec gets a lot of uh, Haitian, Haitian immigrants because of the French, because the French language yeah. that's prevalent here. And like y- there has been no support for them outside of like community groups trying to help a lot of the people who are out who are there who like you know kind of like we were talking before can't say that they can't can't like stop going to their jobs in case they get in if they catch covid right because that like sometimes they have like their whole family living in one cramped apartment building kind of thing and and i'm not hyperbolizing here i swear to god i used to live there yeah no it's like the support didn't do shit and the the city hasn't done shit for it you know 
So there's that issue. Yes, the COVID uh, response, how it's affected these uh, certain uh, community communities uh, within the city. Yes, that is something definitely to look at and scrutinize and criticize in terms of a city that wants to say that you know we care about these minorities that exist within our city, but exactly also looking at police response to these things because they're part of the city. All right, the 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 police service for the city of Montreal. Yeah, and if this is the response, this is how we treat people. It's not as bad as the U.S., but that doesn't mean yeah. that we're that much better. Yeah, you can't you can't put a gesture like that and then back it up with literally the exact opposite. And it's not the first time. Uh, I remember in two, I think it was two thousand six. This is the one that uh, always sticks with me. Is uh, uh, Freddie Villanueva, who was a, I believe, oh young God. man who yeah. was shot from Montreal yeah. North, shot by the police. And this was uh, a big issue. And I, the reason why this sticks out to me, him uh, specifically, is because I took a class at Dawson that was a film class. Stage up here. Yeah, uh, it was a film class. And we watched Do the Right Thing in that class. And then afterwards, we had a discussion about that film. And the teacher had asked our class, like, do you think this is still relevant today in terms of like police brutality, uh, you know, minorities being targeted by the police, being killed by the police. And then most of the people in class were like, I think everyone was like, no, it's not a big deal anymore. And our teacher was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like Freddie Villanueva was like killed like two years ago. And you're saying yeah. this is not a big deal. And most people, this just went over their head. They're like, no, no, things are wild. Good. Things are good. No problems. You know, that's kind of crazy. Well, it's just kind of like, I think when Obama was president, a lot of people just assumed all racial issues and tensions disappeared. That's that's or, really fair. Because I remember, uh, and I'm sure I've probably mentioned this in previous episodes, the idea of post-racial. Do you remember that? That was a term yes. that was going yes. around for a very long time. And we were in this post-racial age. No one cares about race anymore. Racism is dead and all this stuff. And you had thought... I remember and being a kid, right? everything is better than it was before. This is not like the 1950s and 1940s, Jim Crow. I mean, obviously, we're not in the U.S. We didn't have Jim Crow specifically, but, you know, these ideas didn't stop at the border. No, uh, every know. new generation wants to say that it's more progressive than the one that followed it, exactly. right? Exactly. And then here we are. We have the same issues still cropping up, and then they came back. So it's always yeah. something to consider. So that is a good example of, like, here in the city of Montreal. Black Lives Matter. Yes, we care about our black citizens, our black residents, whatever. And then where is it in its actual application? Yeah. How in are practice. you showing it? Yeah, in practice. Exactly. There you go. Keeping in the theme of like corporations wanting to be your friends. So we've seen several examples of kind of like how they thinly paint a image that they're progressive and that they're like us and they care about things that we care about. At the end of the day, it's always about making money for their investors. That's the thing you always have to remember. Corporations care about that and that only. So no matter what thing they try to say good, they're trying to do in the world. Maybe it's true. Probably not. It's making money. It whatever they'll say and do whatever it takes for you to use your dollars to buy their product. That's it. That's it. At the end of the day, it's a self-perpetuating system. It has to. Mm -hmm. Come on, guys. So one of the things I want to touch on here, like I said, as the last point is uh, the idea of socially conscious purchases. Yeah. I was interested that you were that you were talking about that. Because this is a concept that isn't like necessarily super popular, at least in my general consciousness. Concerning this type of, uh, I don't want to say like marketing business plan, 
whatever you want to say, or business approach. Mm -hmm. So what, what do I mean by that exactly? So sometimes when you buy, they do this at the grocery store. And I think when you buy things like at Amazon, this is just a small example. It's not built into like the system of how they, how they market themselves. We'll get to that in a second, but just to kind of prime you for, for what it is. uh, It's like when you go and they say, Hey, do you want to donate like $2 to some local charity? Like, I don't know if you shop like a Provigo or whatever, or if you buy mm-hmm. stuff at Amazon, they always give you the oh, option. No, I've, I've, I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. Been there. Which is fine. The reason why they do that is to make it seem as though, hey, you're doing good with your purchase. So if you purchase this thing with us or even like the Bell Let's Talk or anytime you have companies or stores that do promotions where it's like, 10% of our sales will be donated to mm-hmm. this organization will be donated to this cause. Right. So it makes it seem as though you're contributing to the betterment of society in general. I understand. Okay. Through the purchasing of product X. I thought you example. meant like for a second, I thought you meant like purchasing with like social conscious, socially conscious things in mind. Like, I don't know, like not buying stuff from a cruel, like a known person that does animal cruelty or like, Oh, that's part of it, too. That can be definitely part of it. Like if you're a company that advertises that, yeah, your whole process is cruelty free. Maybe. I don't know. I, I again, I have to see it. necessarily. No, but I, I, I like it. the way I like the way that you're going, to be fair. Because Sometimes companies make these claims, but we don't know because sometimes mm-hmm. what they do is uh, the way we make our product. Yes, it's cruelty free, but we purchase it from some company in China, just as an example. Yeah, that we don't control. So if they abuse their workers or they underpay their oh, work, that's not that's, us. That's, that's not on us. No. <laughs> right. Our once it enters our domain, it's fine. Yeah. Just as a quick example, uh, before I get on onto the main thing, here's like uh, there's IKEA uh, for furniture making. A lot of it comes from I forget somewhere in Europe, the Czech Republic, something like that. Really? Isn't it from Sweden? No, IKEA is from Sweden, but they buy like their their wood from uh suppliers from different parts of the world interesting i think it's the i think it's czech republic or slovakia somewhere i can't remember exactly where it has been a while since i watched this thing but they buy from this like endangered forest that's like protected now they don't buy it outright they don't buy it outright but they can't verify that every single thing that comes in is not from this protected land area incredible Yet another reason for me to hate Ikea. And Ikea stresses that, <laughs> hey, we're environmentally friendly. So when you yeah. buy from us, you you know you're doing well. But oh. that's not exactly 100% what I mean. What, what Dude, To give an example. To- I'm so sorry. Hold on. Yeah, I, yeah, I, like, totally, I totally forgot that I wanted to bring this up earlier. Yes. I... I have such a beef with Ikea. I had a month. I, I had a literal mental real quick. I had yes. a literal mental breakdown at an Ikea last week. Oh, shit. Okay, go on. <laughs> let's, let's hear this. Full on fucking time. I like I was talking to my girlfriend about this because she was there uh, while we were doing this. And she was like, you should talk about that. You're talking about corporations not being a friend. You should talk about your fucking Ikea. Experience. Ikea. Yeah. I went to Ikea. And so Ikea, if you've been to an Ikea before, if you've been to yes. an Ikea before, they have like the show. Okay. Ikea itself, I don't know. People, I, I, I at least I had a gut instinct that Ikea is not good because it's too nice. Yeah. It presents itself as so like, you know, the little ads with the Swedish person. That was a terrible Swedish accent. I'm so sorry. Those no. ads are so like, oh, we're so cute and sweet. And, yeah. we, you know, we're just here to make your life easier. Yeah. I hate that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I walk into this Ikea showroom 
and uh i uh i see like these rooms that are made to look like somebody lives in them right like they have all the personality yeah, yeah they do it up the showrooms room yeah. that like somebody has lived in and there are like photographs with real human beings inside of them oh really i and never I, looked like, that close oh yeah okay I'm, I'm, i guess i'm really i'm i'm pers- i get more a little more perceptive but like i see this and it just like it like it tr- it fucked me to my very <laughs> core okay. it, it, it like it just like it it made me feel so vile that this corporation was like trying to like present an idea of a of like of an ideal yeah. that you could that you could have and consume by buying their things and packaging it to you i was like i literally like what i like I, I i kept walking and about 10 minutes in i just like stopped because i like couldn't deal with it i was like it was so it was freaking me out so much that these like little nooks of potential realities were in this ikea <laughs> and Damn. people were just um num 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 and i like just, yeah. I, I, could, I couldn't handle it was it. too much <laughs> Like my girlfriend literally had to talk me out of it. And she was like, it's okay. You can go to the car. And I was like, no, I can deal with this. It was whack. I'm like, I'm never going to Ikea again. Fuck that. Okay. Fair enough. On to your point. Tablo. I'm so sorry. No worries. <laughs> so that's, that's an example. That's one kind of way of like oh, God. socially God. conscious purchasing. Right. So you know that whatever it is you're purchasing, it is, you know, cruelty free or not made in a sweatshop. Those kind of things. Those things exist. Okay, fine. But what I'm talking about more specifically is something like Tom's. Do you remember Tom's shoes? I do remember Tom's shoes. I don't know if they're still popular. I don't know if they're still around, but the whole shtick was... I think they're still around. I just don't think they have as much, uh, you know, hype around them as they used to. The shtick was you buy Tom's and they donate a pair to some kid in Africa. Mm -hmm. A pair of shoes. Right? So you felt good. And I don't know too many examples off the top of my head of companies that also do this, where it's like, you buy from us, this here's a direct benefit that we're providing some underclassed or underprivileged area, right? So it's like tit for tat. You do this, yeah. we do this. It's called, it's called a one for all. The business model is a one for all concept, like a one for one kind okay, of. Okay, there you go. What that business model is called. Okay, perfect. And so that kind of thing, too, that makes it seem like, hey, you're doing good with your purchase. So you can feel good. Hey, come buy a pair of shoes. You're helping some kid in Africa. And you got to think, why is it always like I'm helping some kid in Africa? Mm-hmm. Right. And the problem that I have with this is, is it bad that they donate shoes? Not on its surface. Of course, if you've been paying attention to the episode, the ideas on them sur- on the surface aren't the problem. It's when you go deeper and you realize that, hey, maybe this isn't what it appears to be so in the case of this it's like is it bad that they donate shoes no not in and of itself but the idea that or the issue that i have here is that like eh, well first of all what is africa i mean there's not a place i mean it is a place but (laughs) you know there are many there are many countries first criticism (laughs) that is my first criticism Because it perpetuates a racist stereotype that oh just africa you're you're so correct you know that's very very true because Africa, yes, is a place, but we always conceive of it as though it's like one homogenous land area with a homogenous uh, group of people, right? Yeah. When it's a very diverse place. I don't know how many countries exist on the continent, but it's oh, very God. diverse. You have loads of different groups of people, loads of different ethnicities mm-hmm. that exist yeah. there. 
And it's a massive place too. That's the other thing is like Africa, the continent is a large landmass. One of the largest, uh, I don't know. You can always see things about how many different countries you can fit in that landmass. But the, con- the, the other issue is like donating a pair. It just makes it seem like all Africans of the different multicultural, you know, yeah. uh, groups of people that exist there are always perpetually poor. Mm-hmm. Like there's no wealth or there's no success aside outside of at least definitely what racists and white supremacists will say is like South Africa because we, we had whites there. That place, you know, yeah. is, is advanced. But no, like every... Yeah, every area has developed downtown city cores, mm-hmm. architecture, and buildings that are that would resemble what we have here. Yeah, you absolutely. know, you go to their major cities; they have they have that stuff there. It exists because yeah. some people like to say that the North North Africa is fine because it's mostly Arabs that are up there, even though maybe they don't like Arabs as much. Generally, they try to shit on like Sub-Saharan Africa, where you have yes more indigenous groups of people because uh, you know you have Arabs that came into northern Africa I forget exactly when probably in the dark ages or middle ages whatever but that's fine whatever and then of course you have European colonization that happened well throughout Central Africa West Africa South Africa yeah but you had indigenous groups that lived there who still live there and mm-hmm. they're just like us they have cities just like us they have roads they have cars they have modern clothes like a lot of the stuff that we see of like the rural villages or like those like tribes that aren't uh, untouched by civilization. Like that stuff is like equivalent here of like going up to the middle of nowhere, Quebec yeah, or going up to like Yukon or Northwest territories or Nunavut, not to disparage those communities. Those are all fine communities, but I'm just saying like, they don't, there's not as much people there. It's more. You guys been to Rimouski? Rimouski. <laughs> Rimouski. You know. And uh, the conception of parts of Africa, basically the same. <laughs> I'm just saying that you don't have as much development yeah. in the middle of nowhere. So when you go to these small like rural villages where they're all huts and stuff, they exist. I'm not saying they don't exist, but it would be like just looking at, like I said, northern Quebec, like Ramouski or something. Yeah. And saying, well, this is what they have in Canada. Or this no, is what they have so in true. Quebec. It perpetuates a generalization of the place that is not. Uh, absolutely not valid right exactly and so because yeah. i again a class i had at dawson there was a girl who was from i think kenya and we had to do a presentation about i don't know whatever so she chose her home as as the presentation she wanted to give and part of it was dispelling ideas that people tend to have here at least in north america about yeah about africa about cool. a place like kenya being thinking oh it was all just like tribes tribesmen or like uncivilized groups that exist that live in mud huts and it's like no we have like a city we have airports we have cars we have roads we have you know indoor all the stuff you have here is like we have we uh and the other thing is like a lot of the time when you see people dress in those like really tribal clothes most of the time they do that for white people that come over a lot of it is just put on because they're like well really yeah because they're like oh this is what they want to see okay we'll we'll do this because they'll pay us money for it and and that's kind of like how it comes about like oh, people who claim insane. to be like Maasai warriors are like, I joined Maasai warrior tribe. It's a shtick that they do there because they're like, okay, white people will come and if we tell them they're Maasai warriors, they'll pay us money. It's it's, it's a tourist thing. It's it's just like... That's so funny. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's the same thing. Huh. There's another thing. It's like uh, samurai in Japan. Yeah. At the turn of the century, 
part of what kind of brought back the samurai was that uh, was, was was photography funnily enough mm. this is a small tangent and then i think we'll end it there photography when it was first introduced was something very niche and people didn't have a lot of experience with it especially taking photos but also having photos like postcards and stuff so in japan they would colorize the film because film initially was black and white and because it was similar to the wood carvings that people would do over there in japan they had a huge market of postcards that were like colorized because the people who uh, were able to do those like woodwork paintings kind of had transferable skills into painting the the film or like the film negatives to colorize photos so you had colored film but it was done after the film was developed by hand it was painted on okay and so people wanted to sell it was a big market selling these kind of postcards because again this is new it's novelty and also this is when japan is like opening up to the world for the first time because you know it's an island in the in the Pacific or Southeast Asia, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a new land. Ooh, there's a lot of interest in the exoticism of, of the of the Japanese and like China and all the stuff around this time, right? Wow, we love the exoticism. Exactly. So, what do they start doing? They would recreate paintings and wood carving images in, in, as photographs, and part of what came back was the idea of the samurai, which had been gone for like a couple hundred years at that point. But because they were recreating all these old photos and like old, with old armor, they'd get people to pose in them. That gets sent back to like Europe and North America. And then people think, oh, the samurai, these are all these things that exist there. Uh, the Japanese that are there are like, well, we don't really do samurai, but okay, well, if you want to take a picture and pay us, yeah, sure, we'll pose a samurai, sure. It's the same thing for natives here and like that we see in film and stuff. A lot of the That's time. Super fair. And f- yeah. early photos of natives too. It's like we don't really dress this way anymore. We don't mess- not that they don't ever, but not this is not our common day clothes. No, it's ceremonial. Yeah, right? it's like okay, we'll dress that way for you. Sure, okay, fine. We'll put on the headdress or whatever uh, the, the whatever it is we wear. We'll do our dances that we do, so you can see and photograph. But then mm-hmm. that becomes that ends up becoming how we think of them because that's the only thing we're exposed to. We'll end it there. Unless you have anything else you want to add quickly. Uh, no. In a marathon uh, session here. Yeah. Uh, purchasing things from companies that like do donations to things make you feel good about yourself yes. rather than addressing the underlying causes of property. Uh, property, rather. At least for Tom's, like, okay, you're donating shoes, but couldn't you just donate money? Could donate money. You don't even have to make a big deal out of it if you really yeah. want it to, you know, that kind of thing. So I think that like one for one kind of model is outdated and like kind of emblaze emboldens this complex, this the like white savior complex, right? Oh, yeah, right, for like, sure. like oh, I'm this. We're this big white corporation, but we care about the Africans. So we'll fucking Angelina Jolie give them some shoes because you could do the same concept and give to you know. In the U.S., in Canada, we yeah. have plenty of people who who need. There are shoes. so many disenfranchised people. Yeah. here you don't have to. That that that's why the issue I said, like this idea of the the poor African. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, do poor people exist in in African nations? Yeah, of course, but poor people yeah. exist everywhere, so we don't have to like send all the money and send all the things there, as though they're the only people that have issues. And hey, we're great here. No one, no one's hungry here. No one's homeless here. <laughs> The biggest fucking myth, seriously. It plays into those like stereotypes. That's the part of the reason why I have an issue with it. That's part of the reason why 
I say corporations are not your friend because they're not here to 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 be friends with you, they're not here to be buddy buddy with you. They no. they will do and say whatever they can to get you to buy from them. That is our episode. Thank Ooh. you so much for listening. Thank you to Alex for for being here on this one. It was a lot of fun. I love uh, shitting on corporations. Thanks for letting me do that. Of course, that's that's what I'm here. Part of what I'm here for. If you guys are looking into other things, yeah, if you're looking into other things to listen to, uh, myself and Dexter, who has also uh, been on the show before, uh, have a podcast, a narrative podcast that we started recently and we're hoping to get some attention for it. Uh, It's called October Jones and Fish with Legs. It is about uh, October Jones, who is a human teenager in a fantasy style world uh, and her companion. Uh, fish with legs who is a fish with legs uh and their various adventures trying to thwart an evil plan to end the potentially end the world uh it's really cool uh it's funny it's heartfelt it's got a lot of like common uh like prescient themes i think or themes that are like around today and i made all the original music for it which is really really cool impressive yeah, thank you. All right, yeah, uh, so, so you can find us on Spotify uh, and anywhere else that you get your podcasts from. You can follow us on Facebook. That's October and Fish uh, or October Jones Fish and Legs on Facebook. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram when that's just October and Fish. Uh, tweet at us. Uh, we don't have a Twitter, but you can message us, DM us, and somebody will respond to you. Tag me in the comments. I'm at Crustaceous on all, <laughs> all things. Uh, that's C-R-U-Z-T-A-C-I-O-U-S on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, and that's it. That's it. Okay, perfect. So be on the lookout for October and Jones. I think there are four or five episodes out now. Uh, it's yeah. a fun, it's a fun series. I show up in a future episode. It's true. In 2021, be on the lookout for that. So I have been your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi, and with me, special podcast person, Alex. Woo! <laughs>